Bley. Pardon the interruption, but I'm Mike Wilbon. Tony Patrick Mahomes told the Manning brothers that he wears the same underwear for every game. Tony Kornheiser, I used to do that for every PTI show, but they disintegrated back in 2006, so I can't do that anymore. You know, I have never been given over to stupid superstition. And I can't believe somebody as great as Patrick Mahomes is given over to that. It's great. Hall of Famer. Wait, Mike, Mike, were you in locker rooms for 40 years of your life? Yeah, they all have yeah. superstitions. They Even do, the greatest right. of players, they, they all did. have them. Where you been? Yeah. Of course. Welcome to I PTI, forgot. boys and girls. In today's episode, the Broncos are creeping back. Brian Cashman has some blunt thoughts on Giancarlo Stanton. And Jeff Saturday joins us for five good minutes. But we begin today with the Buffalo Bills losing at home last night to Denver on yet another walk-off field goal, the sixth in two days. The Bills are now 5-5 five and five with two losses in a row and three out of four. Buffalo turned the ball over four times last night, and Josh Allen had two interceptions and has had at least one in his past six games. Wilbon, where does this leave the Bills in your mind? The same place they were before, the same place they were last season. They, they turned the ball over. This is what they do. The Bills went Bills. This is not some, you know, you know uh, culture-changing headline. The Bills turned the ball over. This is what Josh Allen does. I mean... I want to equate him to Jay Cutler, but that would be such an insult to Josh Allen. There have been quarterbacks who have a lot of talent, Tony, who still turn the ball over, throw, as you call it, the soul-crushing interception. The Allens don't seem to be of that variety just yet, but the Bills are just, they're a, they're a 500 team. That's what they are. That's what they've mostly been. They were a threat in the playoffs a couple of times, but they came up just short. These aren't the Bills of the late 80s and the early 90s. It's not. It's not that team, which is a near championship team, on the cusp, four times to the Super Bowl, multiple Hall of Famers. No, yeah. it's not. So people need to get over that and adjust their expectations. So Buffalo is a team that almost everybody likes because it's a small-town team, and as you're alluding to, they've had bad luck over a long period of time. But they're unraveling now, and this is self-inflicted. Mike, I think that the AFC is better than the NFC. And so I think this leaves the Buffalo Bills in the dumpster. Have you seen their upcoming schedule? They get to Jets next. They should beat them even though they have lost to them already this year. After that, it's at Philly, at Kansas City, and Dallas. They could lose those three games. They could be 6-8. and eight. They've lost to the Jets. They've lost to the Broncos. They've lost to the Patriots. This is the kind of season that gets a coach fired. And, in fact, the coach who could be fired – just fired the offensive coordinator because yeah. of showings like this. That was a terrible way to lose a game, Mike. To have 12 people on the field on a field goal attempt, that's fireable in the pros. The kicker missed. He'd missed all night. And you let him get back out there and kick again. And this is, you know, some people think that the, the Buffalo Bills are a Super Bowl team. Obviously, you no. don't. I don't either. No. What if they had one no. good game all year? What if they had? Yeah, they're not, Tony. And here's the thing. Let me, let me go back to something you said about the AFC. I thought that, too. And you, I mean, you got Kansas City, of course, and you've got an up-and-cover like Jacksonville. You, 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 got some, you got some good teams. But, Tony, the NFC's got Philadelphia and San Francisco, if you still believe in them, and, I hate to say it, the Cowboys. You know what I mean? I, I'm, not, I'm not going to – and Seattle keeps winning these games – 
I don't think the AFC teams are better anymore in part. No, we disagree. Because the Bills can't do their job. No. Can't do it. The Broncos started one and five, but have suddenly won three straight. After the game, head coach Sean Payton said, quote, there's a fine line between a groove and a rut, close quote. Tony, you were all over both Payton and Russell Wilson all summer and early fall, which included a 70-20 yeah. to 20 loss to the Dolphins. I told you Russ was going to be all right. Let him cook. You want to reassess yeah. now? Sit back and relax. I'm going to talk for a little bit. I have thought about this. <laughs> You and I spent a lot of our lives as newspaper sports columnists. And one of the things yep. columnists do is every once in a while they reassess. They go back to see where they were wrong. I don't think that the criticism was unjustified at the beginning of this season of Sean Payton. I mean, come on. Right. He had ripped Nathaniel right. Hackett for the job he I'm did at Denver. And then he was doing yep. a worse job when he was 0-3 and when they gave up 70. I know we disagreed on Russell Wilson. You said it was all coaching. I said it was coaching and it was Russell Wilson. He had a bad year last year and he started out bad this year. But, Mike, they're four and two in the last six. They've beaten Kansas City, and even though you don't have any regard for Buffalo, others do. In the last four games, Mike, Denver has the best defense in the entire league. It's better than Baltimore's. It's better than Cleveland's. They're giving up just 14 points a game. So I think Sean Payton and his crew fixed the defense. Russell Wilson fixed himself. Russell Wilson in his last six games has 12 touchdown passes and two interceptions. In the last six, he's a second-rated quarterback in the entire league, and over the course of the year, he's fourth. So Sean Payton liked him. He liked Sean Payton. And now what we're seeing, and you have to do this, you have to have an honest accounting. What we're seeing is the cream rise to the top. Sean Payton is showing he is a really good coach. Russell Wilson is showing he is a really good quarterback and I think the criticism was fair then, and the praise is fair now. There we go. I took That's a lot good. of time. I'm sorry. There we go. I'm sorry. I'll just accept that as Wilbon. You were right. Let's move on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we move now to baseball. And a comment Yankees general manager Brian Cashman made yesterday about Yankees slugger Giancarlo Stanton. Cashman was asked how to fix Stanton, who batted 191 this season. Cashman called Stanton, quote, injury prone, unquote, which is demonstrably true. And then Cashman went further saying, and I'm quoting here, he's going to wind up hurt again more likely than not because it seems to be a part of his game, unquote. Woo! Wilba, fair or foul? Tony, Brian Cashman is, has been really good at his job for a long time. I think he's got like four rings. I think he's got four of the Yankees yeah, championship rings. He was involved yep. Yep. with putting that together. Brian Cashman is great at what he does. But lately, Brian Cashman has come off like a jerk. That's what he's been. I'd like to use stronger language, but, you know, I'm not wearing a black T-shirt, so I can't do that. I'd like to because I would go further on Brian Cashman. Brian Cashman has been a jerk, and I like what the agent for Giancarlo Stanton said, Joel Wolf. He said, among other things, he said, this is a good reminder, and I'm going to paraphrase, for all free agents considering signing in New York that you got to be made of Teflon. You can never let your guard down, even in the offseason. And what he's doing is he's speaking to the free agents out there that the Yankees right. might want to actually sign. And he's saying, you know what? Look at this organization. Look at what they think of players. Look at what they may think of free agents. Look at how this guy arrogant as he is now, thinks of himself 
and he will just whine and curse and belittle other people. And that's what Cashman's been lately, a jerk. So I'm going to go to the question of fair or foul. I'm going to say it's fair in the it's fair in the sense that it's true. It's objectively true, you know. But by the same token, the Washington Nationals could have said this for years about Steven Strasburg. Miami Dolphins could have said this for years about Tua, but they didn't. Now, sports writers in those cities wrote it, and talking heads on TV in those cities, they said it. But the general manager didn't say it. So the reason it looks foul is because of where it comes from. Uh, He's Look, here are the numbers. He's missed in five years. Stan has played 391 games, and he's missed 317 games. So he gets hurt. Anthony Davis always gets hurt. Rob Polinka does not say this. Zion Williamson always gets hurt. David Griffin does not say this. And you're right about Stanton's age. I'm sure Stanton wants out of here. He probably said, get me out of here. But they owe him $98 million, and they're not going to just well, pay it to him not to play because he's, he's not Jimbo Fisher. But this is not going to work. It's not <laughs> no, going to work. Let's take a break. It's guaranteed. Coming up, does Debo Samuel... Deserve all the credit for the Niners looking like the Niners again. We're going to ask Jeff Saturday. We'll also ask him what he sees when he looks at the Lions' offensive line. Just let Russ cook. I want to hear you say it. Come on now. Say it with me. No. It's almost like saying Black Friday. Let Russ cook. Huh? Last year when Russ cooked, it turned into a souffle that went right down. Poof! That was the part in the interruption is presented by Bullet Frontier Whiskey. Please drink responsibly. Part of happy hour. That's the DQ Cheeseburger Lovers Deal. Two singles for five or two doubles for seven for a limited time. So, how is it? Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about Electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus. Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Welcome back to Pardon the Interruption, presented by Bullet, part of Happy Hour. Let's get back into the NFL with our new bestie, ESPN NFL analyst Jeff Saturday, all dressed up in a tie for us today. I'm very impressed. Here's the first question. The 49ers suddenly look great again. Debo Samuel returned from injury, and he's getting a lot of the credit. But can you tell us specifically 
how it changes an offense to have a left tackle like Trent Williams back in the lineup, oh. even if he is not at 100%, Jeff. Yeah, I mean, listen, he's best left tackle in the game, probably the best offensive lineman in the game, in all honesty. And so when you're putting that guy to your blind side of your quarterback, who's a young quarterback and a developing quarterback, it, it makes a huge difference. I mean, the confidence that he instills, I don't, know, I don't know if you saw it, but there's one play where he pulled and was running down to hit a DB. The DB literally turned around and ran <laughs> off the field, just turned around and just took himself out. And Trent Williams, they asked him about it after the game, and he goes, I played football a long time. I have never seen this happen before. So that's the type of intimidation that that grown man brings to the offensive line, and that's where productivity increases. So, no, it's a, it's a huge help for that 49ers offense. Well, let's stay with the theme of protection for a second. And the Lions went over the Chargers. Jared Goff said not only did he not get sacked, but he doesn't remember in that game even being hit. And also the Lions rushed for 200 yards, third time that's happened this season. What do you look at when you see Detroit's offensive line, Jeff, and how key is that to the start they've gotten off to? Yeah, physicality and athletic ability. Those are two things that you look at with the Detroit Lions offensive line. Hank, listen, Hank Fraley, their offensive line coach, has done a tremendous job developing young talent, getting these guys to play together. And you said it, my, my a 200-yard rushing days three times already this season. And then you go with a quarterback getting untouched against against the, the Chargers. Like, this this team knows about offensive line play. And when you look at Dan Campbell and what he wanted to instill when he got to Detroit, it was that intensity and that, that, that anger and aggression that offense and defensive line plays with. And you can see it. I, I liken them to the Philadelphia Eagles, the 49ers. Like, I put those guys in the same class from O-line, D-line and capability, and I'm telling you, November, December, and January, that's what separates teams. All, all the prettiness of football really starts to diminish. When the weather changes and it gets to be playoff time and defenses get better, those teams look at them because they're, the, they're the ones who will separate themselves. Well, conversely, the Bengals could be without their top two edge rushers against the Ravens when they play Thursday night, Hubbard and Hendrickson. How big a deal is that, Jeff? Uh, it's enormous. I mean, you think uh, Hubbard last week with, with the Texans, you, you have to have a closeout guy. I mean, if you look at all the great defenses and you look at how, how games get ended in the NFL, it's either by salting it away by running the football or having some, some defensive ends and edge rushers that close it out. It's the reason they make all the money, and, and, and deservedly so. And so when you got Hubbard and Hendrickson, both those guys being banged up, it, it, it is a tremendous loss for this team. I'm telling you, it played a large part. Hendrickson got, I mean, Hendrickson's got hurt later in the game. But without Hubbard, that defense looks different. And, and they can start – offensive lines can focus differently on protection. Quarterbacks feel much more comfortable. They'll sit in the pocket longer. Those guys got to get healthy for the Bengals to have a shot. Well, we will get you out of here on this, and we'll talk about the Jets. The Jets have not scored an offensive touchdown in 11 quarters. And the fans and the media, like me, always look at the quarterback and they look at the offensive coordinator – you were an offensive lineman. What would you be looking at? Would you be looking at the offensive line? I'd be looking at the penalties and the dumb plays that we make as, as an offense. And I'm telling you, if you watch that Raiders game, you saw. I mean, the one was a touchdown, uh, you, you know, that gets called back. They get, in, they get inside the red zone. They get penalty after penalty. They'll, they'll make some big explosive plays and then set themselves back. 
you're not good enough. The margin for error offensively is not good enough. Everybody wants to blame Zach Wilson. And look, it's not like the guy set the world on fire. He was not the reason they lost that game. And they have to find an identity. That's the biggest problem with that offense. There is no identity. They don't know if they want to run it with Brees Hall, who, by the way, is, is their, their best and most physical player, or if it's going to be a Garrett Wilson show, or it's going to be, it can, we can depend on Zach Wilson. Like, at some point, settle, settle, the, settle the score. This is what we're going to be, exactly like good teams do. Pittsburgh, they've been outgained, what, nine times in a row, and somehow they're 6-3. and three. You can find ways to win, but right now without identity and with a good defense, it means nothing. The Jets just keep floundering away uh, chances to win and opportunities. Thank you, Jeff, as always. Tony, Thanks Tony very much. hearing that about his J-E-T-S. Appreciate Thank you, Jeff. Let's take one last break. Still to come, Rick Pitino has a tough night at the Garden. And Victor Wimbanyama faces Chet Holmgren for the first time. They don't like each other, I'm told. But is there a more intriguing game on tonight's schedule? Yeah, everybody blames quarterbacks. It's not just the quarterback. You know. Pardon the interruption is presented by Bullet Frontier Whiskey. Please drink responsibly. Part of happy hour. Happy time, people. Happy 30th birthday, Francisco Lindor. Lindor was just named the Silver Slugger shortstop of the National League after posting a 254 batting average, 31 home runs, 98 RBI, 108 runs scored, and 31 stolen bases in 160 games. That's probably the extent of the joy Lindor can take from this season. His Mets finished 12 games under 500 with the highest payroll in baseball and blew up the team at the trade deadline. Lindor was the third highest paid player in the National League this year at $34.1 million behind only Nolan Arenado of St. Louis and Steven Strasburg of not in the major leagues at $35 million. Over nine seasons in Cleveland and New York, Lindor has 215 homers, 679 RBI, three silver sluggers, and two gold gloves. I like the Cleveland Lindor better. I know this version has sacrificed batting average for power and it's gone for power. And worked all that yeah. well in New York necessarily. I liked in Cleveland when he was a 300 hitter his first couple of full seasons in the bigs. And Cleveland was a real threat. They got to the World Series for crying out well, and they didn't get to the World Series. Yeah, they did. They lost to the Cubbies in the World Series. Yeah. I like that version remember? of Lindor better. That version. And by the way, very popular in Cleveland. Very popular. Yes, he was. Happy very anniversary. Popular. Yeah, happy anniversary, Don Shula. This is posthumous, but on this day 30 years ago. The Dolphins coach passed Papa Bear George Hallis for most wins by an NFL coach. Shula finished with 347 career victories, regular and postseasons, including two Super Bowl wins. Shula stands 16 wins ahead of Bill Belichick, who currently ranks third in regular season wins and second when you factor in all those playoff wins. Shula was 65 when he left coaching. Belichick is 71. He only has two wins so far this season with the Patriots, and nobody knows how long he will remain in New England. Wilbon, do you think Belichick will catch Shula? Tony, I, I don't know, because these last couple of years give me pause. But I find myself just saying sort of, well, I hope not. Because I was lucky. At the, at the beginning of my career, I got to be a little bit around Don Shula. Don Shula's an icon to me. I realize Belichick may be the GOAT. He may retire with that yeah. no matter what. Yeah. But there's something about Don Shula. And just the way he conducted himself, the way he handled himself, the way he represented his team, himself, and the league, which I, I yeah. think was special. 
He owned Miami, by the way. He owned it. Yes. Happy trails to last night's 23-point lead for your Washington Wizards, Wilbon. It's not not just that the Toronto Raptors made up 23 points over the course of the second half on the Wizards and won 111-107. It's how they did it. The Wizards still led 106-90 with 7.25 left to play. 16 points ahead. After that, the Wizards scored just one point. One point in 7.25. They missed their last 10 shots. They were outscored 21-1 to from 7.25 on in clutch time. The Wizards did the same thing Sunday in Brooklyn, giving up a 15-0 late run after leading by five. The Wizards are now 2-8, the second worst record in the NBA. They've lost seven of eight. They're not any good. Defend them, Wilbon. I'm not going to defend them. I'm not even going to defend you for watching it. I'm with Kendrick Perkins on Friday night. We're in L.A. doing Countdown. And Perkins, because he had heard you say about how you watch the Wizards and you get, get depressed, and Perkins says he started feeling sorry for you. Can, I mean, can we get Tony to watch some other games? I'm like, we don't need to take up a collection for him to buy League Pass. The games are available. <laughs> get your eyes off the Wizards. Don't feel sorry for Tony. So they play no defense, as you know. Their None. best players None. play absolutely no defense. None. They've given up close to 150 points a bunch of times. I was stunned to learn they're actually fourth in terms of most points allowed. There are three teams worse than them, including, I think, San Antonio, which surprised me with Wembanyama. It did. We're running out of shows, so we go to the big finish. Let's do Colin it. McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl both scored goals in a 4-1 to win over the Islanders. New coach now. Is everything fixed? Yeah, that's two to get to 4-9-1. If they get to, like, 12-9-1, then let's talk about whether it's fixed. And it should be. It could be. Corbin Carroll of the Diamondbacks, Gunnar Henderson of the O's, are the unanimous rookies of the year. Okay by you? Let's look at this realistically. If they're unanimous, it's got to be okay. Look, everybody said those are the guys. Come on now. Michigan beat St. John's by 16 in the Garden. Are you surprised? No. I mean, Rick Pitino's not a miracle worker. He'll get them going. It's still November. Duke, Michigan State, Kansas, Kentucky, in Chicago at the United Center tonight. Who you got? I'm going to take Duke because they got beat at home by Arizona the other day. I'm going to take Kansas because they're number one. But I'm very impressed that Kentucky's just coming off a big win over Texas A&M Commerce, the Lions. Commerce. Interesting. Not business. Commerce. Last one, Timberwolves, Warriors, Spurs, Thunder tonight. Which is more intriguing? Man, if you can watch Anthony Edwards right now, he is first team All-NBA, but so is SGA on the Thunder. Warriors struggling at home, no Steph Curry. I'm going to watch that Thunder-Warriors game. I want to see what's going on with Golden State. What a time. We'll try and do better the next time. Shout out to Penn Basketball, beating Villanova and storming the court last night. Didn't I say T-Wolves Warriors? I meant to say T-Wolves Warriors. Same time tomorrow, knuckleheads. You can get the PT 